Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt knows Drew Stoltz, and what an episode we have for y'all this week. Y'all been asking for him. He hasn't really done many interviews since this whole split with Bryson DeChambeau, but Tim Tugner joins us, and it is something special, Sleaze. Yeah, man. Uh, really, the first time he's spoken out in depth since the split up, and like I know I was interested to talk to him. I know you were, too, and I mean, we get... <laughs> We get a pretty inside look at what that job is like and what all goes into it. I mean, I learned so much about just all the different information that's got to be presented before a shot is hit. I mean, that job is a really, really well-paying job. It's a great bag to have, but there's a lot of work and uh, extracurriculars that come with it. Not to mention the the time that you got to put in and the hours that you're at the golf course working. The guy, I mean, he works into the middle of the night half the time. Yeah, it is. It was fascinating to see. I mean, I consider myself kind of a golf nerd. I feel like I know a lot about this game. I learned so much in an hour that I, I couldn't believe it. And I've had so many other tour players call me, text me, ask, you know, how was it? What was this? And I told them some of the stuff that Tim Tucker says, and they were blown away. Like, everyone's so excited to listen to this. So we don't want to spoil too much, but just get ready because it is going to be an awesome hour with Tim Tucker. But, please, we got to give a little shout out. Cam Champ. Got the job done at the 3M up in Minnesota. Unbelievable performance. A rather interesting 72nd hole where he decided to pull driver with a two-shot lead. Uh, I know how I felt about it. I had his group on the call for CBS. How would you feel about it? Yeah, I was waiting for you to walk over and be like, what the hell are you doing, bud? Anything but put the driver <laughs> anywhere but in your hands. He did that two-iron around the entire backside. He hit it great. All of a sudden, you got a two-shot lead. Bogey gets the thing done. And he steps up with driver. I was sitting on the couch. I was like, what the hell are we doing? Where's the caddy here? Jump in and give him that two iron. However far it is to the water, just take 10 yards off of it. Give him that club. Because even if, my thing was like, even if he pumps a drive, let's say he goes and hits it straight down the middle. Is he going to go for it in two and risk making exactly. a big number that way? He's still got to hit a second shot. He's probably going to still lay up, I would think, with a two shot lead. So what does he want to lay up with a wedge as opposed to a seven iron? Like, who cares? Just hit the ball in play. I, I When he hit that tee ball and he was able to get out of jail, like fortunately he hit that little shot through there and then laid up again and ended up hitting it stiff. But I was just like, why is this club even in, in the discussion right now? Two shot lead, bogey gets it done. I mean, you could have played seven iron the entire hole and probably make a bogey. I was shocked, <laughs> shocked by that. We almost had some drama there on the, on the 72nd, but uh, he closed it out. Yeah, if you didn't see it, you'd be like, oh, he won by two pretty convincing win but when when I mean I was there like I, I was kind of like oh you know what I, I I always want it to be exciting obviously but when he hit that shot I'm like oh boy this is about to get good like this could easily be a three-man playoff no problem but uh, I mean arguably probably the best wedge shot he's ever hit in his life for his fourth shot and was able to save far but um really cool to see that's that's three PJ Tour wins for Cameron Champ yeah, three wins and only seven top tens in his career. I mean, the guy's kind of like, like Louis Ustase and ends up being runner-up again, which feels like we say that every week. But he's almost like the reverse Louis. He doesn't contend all that often, but when he does, he peels him off at a pretty nice clip. And then you got Louis, on the other hand, who seems to top ten every single week and hardly ever wins. But, I mean, you got to give the guy credit. Uh, he, when, he, when he does have a chance to win, he, he pretty much gets it done. And when you watch him win, you think to yourself, like, why doesn't this happen more often? Like this week, he led the mm -hmm. he led the field in putting. That doesn't happen a whole lot. That putter's a bit of a question mark with him. But when you're watching it, you're like, damn, like who's beating this guy if he's driving it good and putting it good? Yeah, not many guys that are 206 for the season in strokes game putting end up leading a week ever throughout the season. Really, really cool for him to see. But Slays, after, after the, um, the coverage ended on Sunday, I got on the bird, came to Cedar Rapids, Iowa for Zach Johnson's Charity Foundation event. Just finished up. That's why we're having to do this this call the way we are today. 
but I think I witnessed a world record for a pro-am. Okay. Tell me. Tell now me we about go out there. We do, they do a little clinic. They have me MC it. We get ready. We go to our groupings. I go over, I meet my guys, you know, I'm playing, I'm off, off number nine. And I'm looking at the names, introduce myself, all this. I look, I start seeing all the dots. I added up four guys, got 76 shots Holy for the day. Sweet Jesus. 76 with four guys. So they're all getting six. They're all getting 18 apiece. They're getting a shot a hole plus a couple double pops on some holes. That's a, that's a nice, nice squad to have. You can contend pretty easily there. Hey, what'd you have on that hole? Oh, I had a six for four. Oh, okay. Nice. All right. Another. Uh, we had we had a 12 we had a 12 two 18s and a 28 and they were getting 80 percent of their handicap so 76 shots was only 80 percent yes that's uh how long did the I, round take five hours okay um my scorecard you know you know they put all the dots on the holes for you and everything yeah. my scorecard looked like it had chicken pox there were so many dots all over this damn thing it was unbelievable that is a shitload of strokes. Um, Twenty-eight <laughs> pops with only getting eight percent of your handy, eighty percent of your handy. That's a lot of luggage. So, but I, I gotta think you guys were contenders with that. It's hard not to contend if you basically can just finish a hole with that many shots, huh? Yeah, we had to rush off to the airport. Um, so I don't know how it did, but it was it was two. You had to count two balls, and I believe we shot like twenty-eight under. So it had to be de- pretty decent. Twenty-eight under, seventy-six pops. Not bad. That's got to be in the hunt. I bet you. <laughs> I'll make sure you get your shop credit or whatever you want. Uh, up there, but that's a that is a hell of a pairing there. Seventy six shots can be tough to clip. Speaking of big time, enormous, large golf tournaments, Cole, I got a tournament coming up this week, bro. I leave Wednesday night for the U.S. Team Mid Am Championship in Kansas City, Team Arizona. Holler at me. We are coming up, and we are we're coming for the gold. I mean, obviously, but uh, I need a little pep talk, dude. I haven't played golf in. Over a month, Whisperox closed right now in July. Game is not what I would call sharp at the moment, but big time event for the sleeves coming up, dude. Yeah, well, you do know that there will be an actual tee time. You have to be there on yeah, time. That's a problem. So make sure you get your tra- get your transfusion in you, mm-hmm. get ready to go, hit at least like six or seven balls, and then go get amongst it out there on the golf course. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I will be getting a practice round in. That's plenty to knock off the rust. And then you know the kid. Once the lights come on, dude, it's time to perform. Preparation is for the week. So going up there, teeing it up for uh, – I got to put a number next to my name for the first time in a mm. long time. Ideal World would have had a little more prep, but it is what it is. Louie doesn't practice in between tournaments, and he seems to play pretty well uh, all the time. So we're going to go up there and give him hell. So a lot of large golf happening right now between uh, you and me. No doubt about it, Wolf. You know, keep us updated. Make us proud. Don't embarrass us. Mm. Uh, I can't wait to see how y'all do. But, please, we, we can't push this. We can't drag this on any longer. We got to get to him. Here he is. Let's get to it. Tim Tucker on Golf Subpar. All right, ladies and gents, before we get to Tim Tucker here on Golf Subpar, I got to tell you about the best golf speaker in the business, and that is Rock Forum. You've heard us talking about this thing before on the show, and for good reason, it is the best speaker in the game. These got, it's got these magnets that just won't quit. These things will not let go of anything. You could drive this, you could drive your car off a cliff and these things aren't falling off. You got amazing sound. If you want to get two of these bad boys, you can sync them up together and have an absolute rock concert out there if you want. Best of all, waterproof, drink proof, transfusion proof. You spill anything on this, it keeps ticking. And last but not least, the battery on this bad boy is not to be joked about. I mean, I, I've played a golf tournament a while back. I've charged it up fully before the tournament. I didn't charge it for the next three days, and I, I used it the entire time I was out there, turned it on the last day, and the thing was still thumping. 
It's the only way to get around the golf course. You need to get yourself a rock form. If you want one right now, go to rockform.com, enter code subpar for 25% off. They make great gifts as well. Go to rockform.com, enter code subpar for 25% off. Go get yourself one of those right now. And now, the man of the hour, Tim Tucker. All right, we are very excited to bring on longtime caddy for Bryson DeChambeau. They racked up eight wins together, including the 2020 U.S. Open. Now he's diving into the business world with his new luxury shuttle service at Bandit Dunes called Loop. Tim Tucker, how we doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks Tim. for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. This is awesome. Obviously, you're, you've been kind of the talk of the golfing world the last few weeks with everything that, is, that has gone on. Um, I mean, obviously, you want to clear up any... Any of the rumors, what you've heard about what happened with you and Bryson or what may have not happened, it, the floor is yours. Yeah, you know, it, it's crazy because, you know, I have zero social media. Um, I never do any interviews unless, you know, Bryson's agents says, hey, Tim, we talk to these guys about what happened, whatever. And, I, or, you know, that's it. But, I, you know, I haven't watched TV, to be honest with you, in six months. I love <laughs> NFL football, so I watch that. I can't wait for that season to come up, you know. But I just don't watch TV, so, man, I, the, my phone blew up, of course. But, you know, I'd, I'd said I'd say about the whole situation was, uh, you know, I made a big mistake in my, in my timing with it. You know, I, I shouldn't have done it. That, you know, should, we sh it shouldn't have happened that way. We should have finished out the week. And, you know, I didn't mean to put that pressure on him. And, you know, I'm sure he had a lot on his mind that, you know, to play in the Rocket Mortgage and, and – you know, I regret, I regret how that all went down. What, what made you like come to this decision? Cause it sounds like to me, it was obviously your decision, not his. No, no, I, I wouldn't say that it was, it was a combination, man. It's, you know, um, the thing I'll say about this whole deal is that, man, I've been very fortunate to be able to caddy for this guy. He is one of the hardest working guy I've ever seen sacrifices everything for this game and as he, everybody can tell from his his body transformation in such a short time you know it it just shows you his work ethic is second to none and you know the other thing that people don't realize is that you know Bryson's very demanding and I think that that's a great attribute from an employer because it makes you get better you know if you're if you're not getting better and and learning and pushing you know pushing you know everything you're doing you know you're then you become complacent and you start making mistakes and you, you're not you know continue to grow and and so he makes you do that and it's unbelievable he, he demands it from everybody from his agent from his business manager from social media people from everybody and so like those things and the lessons and the things i've learned with him are phenomenal so i mean Bryson is a friend of mine. I've known him since he was 15. We've played golf together. I I've watched him play junior tournaments. I followed his whole golf career. I actually was caddying for Tyler Aldridge at the time. And, you know, Tyler and I, we, we were, you know, we were struggling. And so I just, you know, we decided to move on. And, and then Bryson had let his caddy go, or I don't even know the whole story there, but he called me and, and, you know, we made a great run. It was awesome. So yeah, can you kind of, for everybody that doesn't know, you caddied at Abandoned Dunes for a long time, and then you got on the, you know, started picking up bags in the pro ranks. How, like, you were caddying for Tyler Aldridge, so you had that relationship with Bryson before, but when did the, when was the first, like, all right, I'm going to go for work for you, Bryson? So, yeah, like I said, we, 
So um, when Bryce, I met Bryson when he was 15. He was out at, at uh, Dragonfly in Fresno. And uh, I was teaching Aimpoint at the time. And so, you know, he was in a class and he came to everyone. And by the end of it, man, he was helping me teach it, you know, to, to everybody. Because he, he wrapped his head around it so fast. And so, you know, I was there for three days and we'd go to dinner every night and uh, with the group and, you know, he's sitting there, sitting there talking. We were at the end, you know, talking. He's like, you know, I'm asking, hey, Bryson, you know, what do you do? You know, he's like, well, I don't watch TV, but, you know, I, I love science. I love physics. He, you know, and he was telling me about like he believes in time travel and that, you know, it's possible, but we'll never figure it out. And he's probably right. <laughs> Because I will tell you, he's rarely wrong about the, the things that he's pushing. You know, there's something about, and Colt knows this, you guys, it's crazy. These elite athletes, they're different. And they're different for, they're, and that's why they're who they are, right? Not everybody can be, you know, the best golfer in the world. So, you know, the things that he does is phenomenal. But, yeah, I, I met him when he was 15. I was caddying, caddying at banding and banding and also teaching putter or excuse me, green reading. And uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Tyler Aldridge and went out and worked for him, worked for him for about four months. And, and Tyler is a friend of mine. He's a great dude. Um, he unfortunately left the game, but, uh, and then I was actually in Dallas. We were at Byron Nelson when this went down and my father had, you know, from Amarillo had driven down to watch me caddy and watch the tournament. And so I just, after that, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go back to Bandon. I'm going to play golf with my dad for a week and go back to Bandon. And about halfway to Amarillo, I got a call from Mike Shaw and said, Hey, would you consider caddying for Bryson? We're trying to you know, work this out. And so by the time I got to Amarillo, they called me and said, yeah, let's do it. Come to come back to colonial. So I turned around and flew back. So there was no hesitation at all. Once that job was offered, you're like, I'm, I got to go with this kid. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, what was really bad about it, the worst part was, you know, I saw Tyler that next day and it looked, the way it looked was that I quit him to go work for Bryson. That was not the case, you know. When Bryson came out on tour, I, I saw him again for the first time at, uh, at Hilton Head. He gave me a big hug, you know, and, you know, I'm busy working. He's busy working. I didn't want to take, you know, every time I – once a week I'd say hi to him, talk to him for 20, about, you know, 20, 30 seconds and say, you good, bud? Everything good? Yeah. You know, just say hi. And that was it. When I went on with my work and let him go with his. So we really didn't communicate that much, you know, at all prior to him hiring me. It just kind of, I think I was available. He knew me. He knew I knew the green reading system he was using and it was, you know, Hey, let's try it. And Tim, when you first started with him, like you just pick up the bag, it's your first week, first month, whatever. Was the time commitment and the responsibilities you had as a caddy at that time the same as it was during your last event at the Rocket Mortgage? Or did that like scale out the, you know, the nighttime rain sessions and, and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, no. And well, he always practiced a lot. And if you ask Bryson, I, I was really surprised at this. He's, he'd said to me one day, he's like, you know, I've never had the talent. So I have to work really hard to be a good golfer. That's his perception, right? And from my side, I'm like, dude, you're the best golfer I've ever seen in my life. What are you talking about? You probably <laughs> never practice and play great golf. But to him, he feels that way. So that's his reality. And that's why he works so hard. 
you know, and that's why he works into the night. He doesn't want to leave the golf course with a bad feeling for tomorrow. He wants to at least have something going into the next round. That's a positive instead of a negative. And he, you know, he works on his golf swing religious. I mean, obviously every single day. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I remember when y'all went at Wingfoot Saturday night, you're hitting balls in the dark. And I remember he hit one last driver and then he gave you and Chris Como like a fist pump. and was like, all right, I got it. Let's, let's go get this, get this thing tomorrow. But obviously he's, he's in the media a lot. You know, he's, he does things different than anybody else does it. What would you say is the biggest misconception about Bryson? Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you people. He has this passion for golf that I've never seen from anybody. And, and, you know, people would say it's a fault. I, I don't think it is. It's his, his pursuit of perfection, you know, to be almost, you know, to be perfect and robotic. That's what drives him. And he's always, you know, we always laugh. I'm going to figure this out. You know, I'm going to figure it. Let's figure it out. Right. Every day. And, um, you know, he, his passion comes through sometimes in a negative way, but it's not that, you know, he, he's, he's a great guy, man. He gets, you know, people think he's a, you know, sometimes think he's, he's, you know, angry or whatnot. He's just not, he's as passionate as can be. And then, you know, once it's all done and we've always said, Hey, whatever happens on the golf course, is on the golf course. It's a battlefield out there. We're trying to do our best, right? Don't take anything personal. Colt, you know, you've played out there. You know how, how you can get with a caddy sometimes. You know, you can get frustrated and, you know, misdirect your your anger at someone and, and, and vice versa with the caddy, right? And so it's just, that's a, that's it. His passion doesn't come through as well as I, as people would like to see it, you know? That's it. Yeah. That's the biggest one. That's why he's so misunderstood. He is, he is a really great kid, young man. You know, he does a lot of people don't see the work he does with kids. He grew up in a, an environment where, you know, he hit balls in this tent with all these, you know, high school, junior high, elementary kids. And even when we go back to Fresno and he's a, you know, five time tour winner, he goes back and takes, you know, changes, you know, takes turns on the mats, hitting balls or helping these kids out. And, you know, the funny thing is, is they don't think he's famous. They just think he's Bryson because that's the way he is, you know. So if anybody ever paid attention to what he does out there, man, he takes the time with these young kids. He really does. You know, Cole, you know, you can't sign all these autographs. He signs a lot. He, he, yeah. he does his part. Have you spoken to him since Rocket Mortgage? Yes. Recently? Uh, right before the British Open. Okay. So you guys' relationship, everything's good. You guys are both buddies. There's no hard feelings, no ill will, none of that. Dude, I, I mean, think about, you know, I was a caddy at Bandits, right? And I had a great lifestyle. I loved it. You know, I was a PGA uh, member. I was a club pro for, you know, a long time. Um, got into caddying because I was looking to get out of the golf business. It ended up loving that lifestyle out there. That for the people that have been to band and they know it's a magical place and you kind of get wrapped up in it and it's awesome. But, uh, you know, I wasn't able, you know, one of the things I said, the money that I've made, you know, being a part of Bryce's success has helped me put my kids through college, you know, no student debt. I've been able to buy them a car, get them on a good start. Right. You know, and, and 
that's that's really important, you know, to me as a parent, right? No, you know, no one in my family had ever graduated, you know, gone to college, let alone graduated. My kids have, and we're there in that process. But you know, I'm happy to be able to do that. You know, I've been around the world. I've made a lot of great contacts, and it's given me the opportunity to to open this business. So, man, there's yeah. no animosity between Bryson and I at all. Man, I I owe him a lot, and I'm very thankful that you know. I got to be around and watch that, that greatness, you know? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, and that's, that's so cool to hear. I mean, he's obviously, he goes about the game in a much different way than anybody else out on the PGA tour. And when you and I have spoken in the past, you're like, you've told me, you're like, I don't understand why other players and caddies don't do some of the things we do. What are some of those things you were referring to? I mean, I, th- I think obviously, you know, the green reading is very important. And especially when the green, when the greens books go away, you know, Bryson is a phenomenal green reader. He doesn't make the long putts like Jordan does. If he did, Bryson would, wouldn't lose a tournament. You know, he, he is a great, I don't think, probably one of the best putters from 10 feet and in. Um, he, his speed control is amazing. He is a great putter. Um, you know, people overlook that because it was distance, but he is an amazing putter for one of the best on tour. Um, best speed control, in my opinion, out there. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Unbelievable butter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, so the green reading is, you know, that in-depth, you know, going that extra mile is important. It's going to be really important with the greens books. People think, oh man, you know, he's going to struggle without these green books. No, he's not. He's going to excel, you know, because he'll do the work. They'll put the work in to, to, to find out what the slopes are and they'll, they, they will not be behind on that. The other thing I think is super important is the air density. Um, a lot of people don't understand that, um, don't understand spin rates when the ball's wet, doesn't understand how the spin rate changes on different turf, whether it's dry or not. All these factors and knowing, you know, that to me is one of the most important things we've done. Green density, understanding that, hey, I'm hitting a seven iron with, you know, 6,200 spin landing into a 2% slope. It's going to run out four yards on a six millimeter green density. That stuff is important and it's predictable. So these are the things that we do, you know, and he, and he that's another cool thing about Bryce is, you know, if I say something, Hey man, let's try this. He'll say, okay, let's check it out. No matter how crazy it is. And if it works, we add it in. If it doesn't, all right, next thing. You know? I mean, I, I feel like I've uh, been around the game a long time and I have a pretty decent golf IQ. I've never heard what you just said in my life. Like I've never even thought about that. Um, but that just shows you how detailed and, you know, how focused and prepared this guy is. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, no stone left unturned. Yeah. Well, Tim, I was perfect. He'll, he'll say, you know, Chris Como works with Bryson and Chris is an amazing guy. And Bryson's like, I want to read him my golf. He's like, dude, you just won the U.S. Open. Yeah, but I wasn't, didn't play good. You know, <laughs> well, I, I got, got lucky. That's what he thinks. <laughs> You know, he's a nut. He's a nut in that way. And, you know, I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, that's just, again, part of his perfection and desire. How many times Tiger Woods changed his golf swing? People thought he was crazy. But he was. <laughs> that was dumb. They're built different. <laughs> <laughs> They're built different. Well, I'm glad you brought up all that stuff, all that information, because I want to ask you this, because I think a lot of people would be interested to hear the answer. You and Bryson are out on the golf course. He drives his ball in the fairway. You walk up with the bag. Walk us through all the information that you needed to give him before you guys pulled the trigger. I mean, just the first, like, obviously the normal, you know, front yeah. where the pin is. Um, 
we do air density if that if so every monday we get his numbers okay he you know so there are no stock numbers for him if he said how far do i hit my seven iron he'd go where what's what's the air density you know wow. he doesn't know we don't i don't know so we find that out on monday right so we always use two launch monitors to to make sure that we have the right swing speed his, his stock swing speeds. And then we find out how far it is based on air density. So air density, a lot of people don't know this is um, like here in Amarillo, Texas, I'm at 3,500 feet. And today it was 90 degrees. Air density here was 6,800 feet. So if I were making adjustments off 3,500, right, I would be 7% off on my calculation. So just based on that, just, that's just one aspect. So we, we make that adjustment when we get to the ball. We, we know it. So I'll, I'll say something like it's 175, you know, with air density, it's 18, we need It's 185, what this shot is. Then it's like, what slope are we going to land into? You know, 2% slope, okay? Green density is, you know, 5.8 5 millimeters, okay? Our spin rate with this club is X, and we need to land it. It's going to release three yards. What, God, that's a club. lot of shit. To is, how, how long does it take you to learn all that and have it ready by the time you walk up to the bag and rattle all that off? All right, here's the front, here's the pin, back edge, air density, pitch on the green, all that. Like, how long until you just have that down to where it's just habit? I mean, I think, you know, we started doing this in Travelers. We started doing the air density. You know, we've always known the – we've always been working on the green reading part, but the air density came in at Travelers probably four, maybe five years ago. Um we were playing in Naples and we saw a green, a green superintendent dropping a metal ball and measuring the dent in the green. And we go, what's that? And they said, we're measuring green density. So we're like, okay, cool. Let's do that and see if it correlates. And so one of our weeks off, we flew to Fresno and um, went all around the golf course. I'd stand on the green. We'd drop a ball. He'd hit a shot in and we'd measure the run out. So with that, for a year, I just kept keeping data and putting it in the spreadsheet and Excel spreadsheet. And then at the end of the year, I just push sort, you know? So I'd say, Hey, he had 178 yard shot landing into a 2% slope wind at a 45 degree angle down at 10 miles an hour. And it rolled out X. And I just kept putting those in every, after every round. Right. And for a year we did that. And then we just pushed sort and got a baseline. So our baseline is based on a 2% slope, no wind. Yeah, damn. I didn't wow. do that for Wyndham Colt. We had a lot less than When that. you got it for Wyndham, you didn't do that? I said, it looks like a nine iron dog. Here you go. <laughs> that, I mean, I've never heard this stuff. That is fascinating. Like, yeah, when it I, is. I've been, out there, I've been out there with your group, obviously, and I hear everything you're saying, but I don't know what it means. I mean, I would be, go out on a limb and say, y'all are the only team that has ever done green density. Yes. That is just, that Sam, is unbelievable. Because you of know, all that. I mean, I see this. This is a great example. We were playing in Napa one year and the 10th hole, the front of the green was a 4.5 millimeter green density or 0.45. We call it 450. Well, the, the middle right pin position was 800 super soft. So if you had a four iron into that green, it would just, it would hit its pitch mark and stay. So the first round we're playing, everybody hits it in there about 12 feet, whatever, you know, we throw it right at it, try and land on the pin because we know it's super soft. The next day, I'm like, Bryson, the green density is four, 450 here. We just need to land it on the front. And we did. Well, everybody else in the group threw it at the pin again because yesterday I didn't roll out any. 
they had 40, 40, 45 footers. Bryson had, you know, 15 footer. Wow. So, I mean, in those situations, it's super important to know what that landing area is, you know, in that, in that quadrant of the green. How do you, you get that? Yeah. So on Mondays, I go out and I drop the ball in all the, all the quadrants where I think where the pinnable locations are. And then I go to the putting green and I drop that ball in two locations on that, on the practice putting green. Okay. And then I, I monitor that through the week. Well, Thursday, obviously I can't drop anything on the greens, but I can on the practice putting green. So I drop it on those same two spots that I've marked. And then I make the correction or the, the change. So if it rained overnight and it was super soft, let's say it was a 5.8 or 580 today, you know, it might be 680. So that's considerable change in the green. So I'm assuming that the, the rest of the greens are that way. And that correlation works really well. Do you ever change like in the middle of a round? Like what, you know, if you tee off at noon, the, the greens are going to probably look a little bit different at four o'clock when you're finishing up. So you're like, okay, they used to be at this density, but now it's later in the day, the wind's been hitting them and they're probably at this. Yeah, I mean, we don't really, you know, in that four hour period, don't really change it, but you know, we trust what that is prior to teeing off. And I always check those, you know, our, our routine is he gets on the putting green an hour and a half before his tee time. And I just drop it right before then. Wow. That is, that's a lot. That's real. <laughs> How much shit do you have in that golf bag? <laughs> I mean, there's gotta be more gadgets and stuff in there. That's incredible. Sometimes there's four protein shakes in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when he, you mentioned that. So when he, he comes to the team and he's like, guys, I'm going to change my body. I'm gonna put all this weight on and hit it as far as I can get stronger. What were your first thoughts? Screw up your wonderful golf swing, you know? And, but the one thing he always said, because I'd, I'd bring this up and he'd say, Tim, I will never sacrifice accuracy for distance. And so, you know, he's in this end range of motion. I don't know if you've talked to him about this, but I mean, his golf swing is so stable that his motion really didn't change through that growth process, you know, because, you know, the stuff he'd learned with Chris and, this all this about the body in range of motion with Greg Roscoff, all this stuff, they were able to just to maintain his golf swing to just add the strength, which is remarkable. Now people would say, "Oh, he he's not as accurate as he used to be." Well, he has to be more accurate to be as accurate as he used to be at 300 carry. Now he's at 335 or 340 carry. Wow, Tim. Colt was talking about you guys, you know, you said one thing you like about Bryson is if you wanted to try something, you wanted to experiment, he was always up for it. He was always willing to, to see if it would, you know, help him play better golf. Is there anything that stands out to you like an experiment you guys ran that didn't work out and it was just, it was too weird or too anything that you just threw it away? I mean, yeah, all the time, constantly trying stuff out. But like, you know, we, before Augusta one year, we were at uh, Sage Valley and, you know, we were trying to, trying to reduce spin with his clubs. And so we're like, what is the deal? What are we missing here? So we, you know, like, hey, let's put some golf balls in the hot tub and then let's put some in the freezer. And then we bought, you know, this, you know, like you, you shoot your steak and it tells you what the internal temperature is of it or whatever. Yeah. We did that with these golf balls and we hit them and, you know, we're like, okay, well, that wasn't a big difference. Not enough to, to affect spin rate. So, you know, it didn't work. But, you know, we tried it or, you know, tour championship, you saw people you know spread the ball the golf ball with water yeah. so we can understand what the spin rate is you know and it's like just normal sometimes shit, yeah. i say dude we 
we have a tournament to play. And he's like, no, I want to figure this out. doesn't matter what tournament it is. He, he will experiment anytime with anything. He, I mean, respect. I've never seen a man, maybe other than Tiger, that eats, sleeps, breathes golf. I mean, it just seems like that's all it is. Does he, away from the golf course, does he do anything besides think about golf? He is, uh, he, he thinks about golf all the time, but he does, he'll, you know, he'll take a little time. Like he, he loves Fortnite. He enjoys doing that. Um, he loves, he, lo- he likes to barbecue. He's really good at cooking chicken and steak. Um, so we, we've done a lot of that. Uh, you know, but I mean, he is, well, now his new passion obviously is working out. So like, if you, you know, he, I think what happened at, during COVID is he goes, man, wait a second. I have an amazing house with this beautiful gym and, I have a, I have a life besides golf, you know, and he really, again, part of addictive personality, you know, got in the gym and he's like, okay, let me put these two passions together. And he did. And it paid off. You mentioned, does he, sorry, go ahead. I got to ask, stay on that for one second, because, you know, back at Charlotte at Wells Fargo, he got, he famously left because he thought he missed the cut. And then flew back at any point before that flight where you're like, Hey, Bryson, maybe we just hang around a little bit and just make sure we don't, (laughs) Make this cut? Well, I mean, he was gone, and I was talking to his agent. He's, I'm like, he's like, Tim, he's left. It's okay. All right. Well, I'm leaving, but I flew to Houston knowing I could get a flight in two hours if when I landed, we've made the cut. So I flew to Houston, had dinner, flew home, <laughs> or flew back. <laughs> so I was back in bed by, you know, 1130 at night. So uh bold bold strategy there he could have just maybe hung around for a couple of hours and see oh. a few beers maybe but i don't know fly home fly back tim can does bryson sleep his brain feels like the kind of brain that doesn't turn off like does that guy is he an insomniac stay up till all hours of the night i feel like he can't sleep uh, he he does he you know he does some he does brain training he does you know he has people monitor his brain when he's sleeping trying to help him get to sleep trying to turn it off a little bit or, you know, he has done that. He doesn't do it every night, but he, you know, so he's looked at that stuff, but yeah, he's a, he, he understands the importance of the rest. So he like, he likes, he can sleep, you know, 10 hours, you know, in his, in his room at his house, it's all blacked out. And, you know, when I go over there, you know, he'll go to bed at, you know, 11 o'clock and he won't, he won't come out of his room till nine or 10 o'clock. Can you give like me that? Some good rest. I like can you that. Get people's phone number, please. Cause I sleep terrible. I need to turn this brain off. <laughs> too, too much frequency, yeah. too high a frequency yeah yeah exactly what would you say is bryson's biggest pet peeve when it comes to a caddy like what is the one thing if you did it would drive him nuts yeah that'd be impossible to say one <laughs> <laughs> we got time tim we got time bro <laughs> i mean dude again we we had this talk at so at tory pines we're on the uh 10 11 12 hole right and i'm telling you man his brain works so much faster again he's not a normal person he's his brain works so much harder right and and faster and ahead right and he's always like there's a better way and but we're joking about you know just little stuff right it's hard to explain but you know Sometimes, you know, depending on the situation, it aggravates him. I mean, is down to the way you hand him the putter at times. Wow. 
You know, he's very specific. And you know what? That's my job as a caddy to to make my player comfortable, not have to worry about the little stuff. No, no matter how little it is, right? So yeah. again, you got a lot of little stuff. Yeah, I want him to perform at his highest. I don't want him being upset at something that he's told me to do that I didn't adapt to and learn. You know, so it's look every every player needs different things, and Bryson is there's no you know that's it's the same with him. You know, just he may have a few more you know things here and there, but you know in other areas he's not that way. You know, he trusts me 100%, you know, with my work on the golf course and lines, and, you know, where you think he might micromanage that, he micromanages the little tiny stuff that, that I think is insignificant. But to him, you know, it, it can set him off or bother him. You know what I mean? Just a little nagging stuff, yeah. nothing big. But we work through it and, you know, we talk about it. But Tim, I think so much of what separates caddies from great caddies is knowing when and how to talk to their players. So if you're out on the course with Bryson, let's say he wasn't having his best day, he was struggling a little bit. What was the, what way did you handle him as a caddy? Are you the rah, rah, pump up speech guy? Did he react to that? Or you just kind of leave him alone and let him do his own thing? Uh, you know, the thing with, I feel like with Bryson is he always <laughs> needs to be thinking and talking where other players don't want that. The more data, the better. If he ever gets quiet, that's a problem. Um, so, but every time he hits a shot, he, whether it's a practice round, you know, if you, if you notice, I stand right on top of him on the range because I'm reading the numbers on, you know, the flight scope or the GC quad. We, every shot is an opportunity to, to gather data. And when we're on the golf course, he hits a bad shot. Okay. He wants to, the first thing is what happened. So that's what I ask him. What happened there? And sometimes if he's upset, he's like, I don't know. And I go, yeah, you do. What happened? And then he goes, well, I, you know, I lost, you know, not enough ulnar deviation and I, I lost my internal rotation with the right wrist, whatever. Right. So then he, you know, okay, I got to do that. Right. So it's just always, or, you know, what did we miss there? We hit it over the green. What did we miss? And we go through what happened. Did we miss the wind? Did we, you know, what did we miss there? It was air density. Do we have a wrong number? Did I hit it hard? Did I not hit it hard enough? What was it? So every single shot is evaluated and talked about on our walk up. And he likes me to be right there with him. No, it's, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, and I think, I mean, you're one of the best caddies in the world, but it takes a special person to caddy for Bryson. Like, I don't think anybody can just do it because of what he requires. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, for sure. But, you know, again, it, it, if, you know, like Brian Ziegler's caddying for him now. Brian's a great guy, knows him really well, knows his golf game, has worked with, you know, Chris Como for a long time, you know, works at, worked at Dallas National. Um, you know, uh, Brian and I, Brian would come out to tournaments. He'd walk with me. We'd talk about all the things that we're doing, and he's learning these as we're going, you know. And because, uh, you know, if something happened, you know, I got hurt. I've had, I have a bad, really bad knee, but it's fine. But, you know, if, if something happened, I couldn't do it. Someone has to be able to step in. You know, every tournament is super important. So, you know, the show's got to keep running. But um, he, you know, Bryson, look, here's the thing. Oh, how's Bryson going to play golf without Tim doing all this stuff? Dude, I just, Bryson knows all the answers. I just walk him through the steps, right? 
because he's got so much going on in his brain. All I'm not telling him what to do. I'm asking him what he's doing or, you know, we're just presenting the problem and working solving the, solving the problem. That's yeah. all. That's I mean, yeah. he knows that if we're putting down, you know, a, a 45 degree angle on a 3% slope from 40 feet, right. That we need to hit at 70%, which is 28 feet. He knows the math on that, but <laughs> That's so I asked I him, <laughs> what do you like the slope at? What angle are we to straight? How far is it? <laughs> Okay. He'll ask me, what's the percent on a three? And I say, it's 40, but at a 45 degree angle, it's 70, seven times four, 28. Let's hit this 28 feet done. He knows that, but as we walk through it, it just gives him that much more level of confidence. Are you surprised? Simple. Simple. Yeah. Are you surprised at all? Like more players don't have the approach he has. Man, you know, that the, I don't know many players. I mean, I know them all, right? But I really don't know them in, in that way. So, I, you know, because I'm so focused on Bryson. You know, I don't know many caddies because we work, a, you know, a lot. And so, and then we get out of there, but, you know, it's time to get some rest. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I see some players like Phil, to me, seems like he loves information. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you get a guy like Bubba. I don't think he wants any. You know, and, you know, everybody's different, but like to watch Bubba play golf is freaking amazing. You know mm-hmm. what he does, like he is the greatest artist of all time. Right. And then to watch Bryson, the scientist, you know, no way is he using any, you know, feel or he, everything is, is mapped out and, and he's thinking about his golf swing while he's swinging, you know? where a lot of people say that's bad for him. If he doesn't think about it, he's toast. Tim, with all the information that you've run us through that you need to, you know, convey to Bryson before he hits a shot, combined with the hours that you would spend on the golf course, the sessions after the rounds and things like that, do you think being on the bag for Bryson, is that the most demanding job as a caddy on the PGA Tour? You know, that's a tough, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what other caddies are doing, to be honest, you know. Um, but <laughs> Not that. Uh, it's fun it's really fun and it's amazingly rewarding to be able to go, Hey, you know, every week Bryson's playing 11 stint greens, regardless of what they are, because we do the math to make that happen. You know, we go to Kapalua where it's super grainy. The greens are slow. The wind's a major factor. You know, we'll spend hours on the putty green trying to get our formulas right so that his speed's proper, you know, and it's, it's difficult sometimes, you know, the biggest factor with putting and trying to make all the greens 11, you know, even though they're not, is when it's windy, the wind, people don't realize the, the, how, how much the wind affects speed. It's insane. And that's like, again, I would tell, as you know, caddying, it, being a caddy, the one thing that you can never figure out is the wind. And we've tried a million different ways to try and be better with the wind. And it is so hard. That's the one thing people don't understand, how difficult it is you know, week in, week out of different golf courses, the wind. If we can figure out the wind, man, it'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, this You'd is be God. Yeah. yeah, this is the most fascinating <laughs> yeah. stuff I've ever heard. Take us through an, an off week for Tim Tucker. Like, are you are you ever required to go spend an off week with him? Or are you at home? What what do you do? When you it have, depends when you on what he, you know, sometimes I go to Dallas, you know. He's like, hey, we got to figure something out. Let's go. Okay, I'm in, right? 
but you know, typically when I'm off, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to play golf, get my golf game. Well, I'm trying to get it in shape now because I have some time, but you know, I'd go play a little bit of golf, just hang out. You know, I love to ski. I grew up skiing. I love, I love snow skiing. I love being in the, you know, the totally opposite climate, 80 degrees. I want to be, you know, 32 and sunny, right. Up in Vail or somewhere. Yeah, it's a good life. You ain't the only one. I know you're just getting out of the, the caddy game right now. Is there any situation where you could see yourself caddying on the PJ Tour again? I, I really don't know. You know, I don't, I haven't even thought about it, to be honest. You know, I'm, I mean, people thought, oh, you know, this, you know, maybe he's hurt or something. No, I mean, I'm, I've lost 40 pounds over the last year and a half, you know, year and a half and inspired by Bryson to get better. Right. So, I mean, you know, I'm in great shape. Um, um, I'm working out more, you know, now that I'm home. So, you know, still trying to lose another 15 pounds and just, you know, work on my body, work on my golf game. But, you know, I, I'm trying to get this business running and, and, uh, uh, I have a business partner helping me, Amos Baker, he's a caddy at Bandon or was. And so, you know, we're working, working to get that done. I just drove a bus five days from, uh, Erie, Pennsylvania to Bandon Dunes. So there's 2,600 miles in a 36 foot bus I've never driven. So that was, wow. that was interesting to say the least. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit more about it. So it's yeah. called Loop. It's called Loop. And it's just strictly at Bandon Dunes, correct? I've never been to Bandon Dunes. So I, I know it's hard to get to, but tell us. Yeah, Bandon Dunes is like this magical place. And I don't know, I tell people that haven't been to Bandon. First off, you know, when you go on a vacation, you, you know, this anticipation of going, you build it up or what you've seen or heard, you know, you build it up in your mind and then you get there and it's not quite, it's nice, but not what you thought. I always tell people, Bandon will exceed your expectations when you get there. And like, I've taken breaks from caddying. I'd be, you know, I'd go somewhere else in caddy in the winter and then go back to Bandon and I'd be like on the 16th tee at Bandon Dunes. It's going, man, this is better than I remember. You know, it's unbelievable. But, you know, working out there, I worked out there for 12 years. The the clientele is is uh, amazing. People, you know, all walks of life going out there. But um, it's it's definitely like that bucket list trip. And I, I felt like, you know, the trip, it's hard to get to. So if you fly to Portland, you have a four and a half hour drive. If you fly to Eugene, you have a three hour drive. And if you fly it into, if you private travel into, into Coos Bay, you have a 45 minute drive. And I was like, dude, wouldn't it be great if the trip started when you landed instead of four and a half hours later? Yeah. And so I built this beautiful, you know, eight, it's, this bus is 30, 36 feet long. It has eight chairs on board. Oh, it has wow. a full bathroom, has a bar. The chairs are heated, cold massage. I think they're 10 way power seats. I mean, they do everything. And so it's, you know, it has an amazing sound system, has two TVs. You, know, you can watch live sports while you're driving down the road. And uh, it's just, a, you know, I say your trip starts when you land because you get, you know, you're with your, your eight best or seven other best friends, man, going to this mystical de golf destination. And, you know, it's like this cool journey. As everybody knows, when you go to Scotland, you're driving in these little shuttle buses flying all down these little roads and it's bumpy and long hours, but people love it, you know because they're bonding with their buddies, right, for hours. And that's what we wanted to do. You know, we wanted it to be luxurious, and and, and that's what we did. So I think everybody that sees it has told me it's second to none. It's unbelievable. 
I was actually talking to a couple caddies up there today about you, and they said this bus is unbelievable. Like, it is the real deal Holyfield. So I know that thing is going to be sick. Tell us a little bit about your boy Amos, your business partner, because the word on the street is he's a legend up there at Bandon. Yeah, yeah, he is. You know, he Bandon's a really interesting guy. Um, I met him in 1998. I was I was a pro at a club down in, in Springfield, Oregon, and – Met him. He had just come back from Europe. He had played in Luxembourg for two years, you know, uh, European basketball. And uh, anyway, went to Bandon. To, I don't know if he went on a trip or what, but he ended up caddying there. And he, he showed up about the same time I did. And, uh, you know, he's super competitive like I am. And, you know, I used to be a pretty good amateur golfer. And, and uh, so I got my, you know, we compete a lot and play golf and just became friends over the years. So I've known him, known him since 2003. That's awesome. So how can, how can people uh, book it, book Luke with you? So yeah, our website's just is about to go live. Um, BandonLoopTransportation.com is our, is our website. If you just type in loop transportation or Bandon, it's going to pop up. Also where uh, Bandon is, you know, put us on their website. You know, I've had a relationship with everybody out at Bandon all these years and kept in touch with them. And um, so they, they've they been great. They put me on their website. They're going to help me uh, book, you know, trips. And then obviously there's 330 caddies at Bandon, which, you know, we know most of them. And, you know, with, through their requests, they'll be talking to their guys and getting us out there. So yeah, I think awesome. I think it's going to be a home run for us. We're excited about it. Um Obviously, a new venture, so a little nervous, but, uh, you know, Bryson has, has told me to help support me in any way with this, that he'd invest in it if I'd asked, and so, you know, which I think is amazing, right? So, that should kind of tell you the relationship we have. He's willing to go on a business venture with me. Yeah, that's so, awesome. If you go to Band yeah. and book that thing right there with Loop. Quick, what's the air density in Band right now? Go. It's 100 feet. <laughs> probably 62 degrees. There um, you go. You don't miss. You don't Tim. miss. All right. We got one last little part here. We do this emergency nine with all of our guests. These are nine fun ones. Just We like to have fun with the guests at the end of the show, and then we'll let you get out of here. But we ask this to everybody. First part of the emergency nine, if you could trade lives with anybody for a day, dead or alive, who would it be? Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible answer. Perfect. <laughs> then you could complain about the way he hands the putter to you. It'd be perfect. It'd be perfect. All right, next one, Tim. More unforgettable experience: winning the U.S. Open or the first time you walked into the Bachelor Inn. <laughs> uh, maybe you have to tell Inn. people what the Bachelor Inn is, perhaps. Uh, Bachelor Inn is this amazing gentleman's club in Coos Bay. <laughs> so I will tell you, I walked in with a group of guys, and the girl on stage is wearing Converse high tops. And asked us if we wanted to see some milk. <laughs> wow! All right, Colt. When Colt, when you go, bro, it's like it's like a rite of passage. Like you just have to go. It might not be the best place you ever been to, but you ain't never gonna forget it. It's all time. Oh, that's fantastic! All right, next one. Most uh, hours you and Bryson have ever spent at the golf course in one day. Uh, like twelve, maybe twelve, thirteen. What's the latest you've ever been on the range, you think? Three times, 9.30. Yeah. It was dark, been dark for an hour. But, you know, he has a flight scope there, so he's got he's got the iPad in front of him, so we know where it's going, even though people yeah. are like, why is he hitting balls in the dark? We know where they're going. 
That's yeah. awesome. Somebody filmed it and put it on Twitter and it was just a black screen and you just heard a thwack every like eight seconds. And I was like, <laughs> what are you even videoing here? Uh, all right, next thing. Name one thing you had to carry in the bag day in, day out for Bryson that easily could have been left behind. Uh, protein shake, maybe? Um, well, I always carried three bars. He only ate two. Um, he always, he definitely wanted his, his orgain. He always drank, drank those. Um, and he'd always, I'd always carry like four or five liquid IV and he'd only have one. But, you know, I will tell you a funny story if I can. We were in Kapalua and, you know, <laughs> this is my first time in Kapalua and I didn't think, you know, I mean, it's a beautiful sunny day in Hawaii. It's not going to rain. Well, as you guys know, the rain can pop up two seconds. So we're on the 14th hole. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14th hole, short little drivable hole. And he hits, we lay up, he hits, a, he hits an iron off the tee we, and it starts misting, pretty heavy mist. He's like, where's the umbrella? And I'm like, I didn't bring it. <laughs> so he's upset about that, you know, because again, it's not for him to stay dry. It's that he wants the umbrella over the ball, you know, so it gets less rain on it. So our spin rate doesn't go up 3%. So Anyway, he gets up and he's standing by the ball and there's a there's a sprinkler head bomb. And I said, hey, what's that sprinkler head say? And he said, the caddy forgot my effing umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. I don't see that in my book here, Bryson. <laughs> I love that. All right, next one. At the start of the show, you uh, said you don't watch much TV, but you love NFL football. Who is Tim Tucker rooting for on Sundays? Washington. Who? Formerly known as the Redskins, Washington oh, Football Club. God. The football team. You're a big football team fan. This relationship just went south. 30 years, man, die hard. I love it. What do you think their name should be? Skins. <laughs> I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> the Redskins, obviously. Yeah, yeah that seems to work. Uh, <laughs> all, right. all right, here's a little caddy question here for you, Tim. You know, you, you, you've been around most of these dudes, and I know some of them, and they can, a lot of them can drink some booze so which caddy on tour if you had, if there was a competition could drink the most beers in a six-hour stretch three heads oh sorry caddy i'm just kidding um <laughs> beautiful <laughs> most beer well i know the most vodka would be fooch but uh most beer caddy well me you yeah i like I how six it. hours how many how many do you think you could get down in six hours over under I've drank 11 without pissing. I know that. That's pretty damn good. That's probably Six, four, unhealthy. Uh, man, you know, before, I don't know, in six hours, I mean, probably 13. Fair yeah. number. Nice little buzz. You don't have to piss it. once. What's that? You don't have to piss once. You don't have to piss one time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I heard a story <laughs> recently from Pat Perez who said, one day when Daly we had his bus set up outside of Augusta when he signs autographs and sells stuff over at Hooters, the waitress brought him a beer and said, sir, this is your 72nd beer of the day. Whoa. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I don't think that's I can buy that. Crazy. That's what Pat said. I'm just saying. I didn't say that. But if that's true, that's freaking incredible. That's. I mean, I think I've drank a case of beer playing golf, but that'd be about it. 72. I mean, Jesus, that's got to be alcohol poisoning or something. All right, let's go to this one. Say your phone rang. There's a job offering to come caddy. 
take Bryson out of the mix, obviously. What other player would you be willing to go caddy for, you think? Or is there someone you would want to? I bet if I could caddy for, like, anybody for one day. You would? Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods? Yeah. There it is. Like, three events a year. Be perfect. That'd be nice, yeah. Is that job open? Perfect, love it. Is that job open? Joey's got that on lockdown. (laughs) All right, here we go. Caddy for the greatest player to ever walk the planet. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it'd be pretty pretty easy, I think. Tiger is like this amazing guy, too, on top of it. So, all right. I could only imagine it'd be fun. We'll put you. We'll start that rumor circulating. Tim Tucker is going to caddy for Tiger Wood. We're going to get that in every headline. <laughs> That's the only thing we're going to clip out of this whole interview. All right, next one from me. Pop quiz here, Timmy. I'm going to test your skills, see if you still got it. All right. I'm going to give you a situation. You have five seconds to answer with your with your response. You ready? Okay. You're in the fairway with Bryson. You have 175 yards to the front edge. The pin is eight paces on. The temperature is 82 degrees with 81% humidity wind in your face eight miles per hour and it's a full moon what distance is it playing go couldn't tell you because i have to know what the temperature and the air density was at noon on monday oh shit none of the above i don't have a baseline i i and after we had this conversation i didn't give you green density either so there's a lot of missing variables in this equation all right i'll i'll allow it this once perfect all that last one last contest you and bryson unbelievable run obviously bunch of wins u.s open champ first shot that comes to your mind when you think if i ask you what's the best shot you ever saw braxton shambo hit Freewood john deere classic for his first win oh that was quick Freewood john deere classic take us through it what hole 17th hole he hit it in the right rough it was trampled down but there was this berm because it kind of the fairway fell off down into the rough and he was 273 yards fairway wood just is three wood and just smokes this thing hits it up onto the green like 30 feet two putts um next hole makes birdie i think he was like six back at the turn and won the tournament first win that's awesome well tim i tell you what man this has been a pleasure so insightful so cool of you to do this with us we really appreciate it man and best of luck with loop everybody go book that when you go to abandoned dunes these guys yeah dude thank you so much it's been fun man you got it yes support our man timmy thank you dude we appreciate it sir my pleasure all right well that was tim tucker on golf subpar bryson DeChambeau's former caddy how cool is that please yeah after hearing all that man i i don't know that i've ever been more convinced that i was doing golf the wrong way or maybe i've never been more convinced i was doing it the right way but when we start talking about green density and all this different type of shit that I'd never heard about before. There's just a lot going on there that I had never really factored in. That job um, requires a lot of work. One of the interesting things I thought, Colt, because you and I have talked about this on here, he mentioned the green reading books and what goes on with the greens. Like we've said before, at Bryson at Augusta, we think that's a tough place for him. And maybe the reason he hasn't played well is because he leans on those green reading books as much or more than anybody else on tour. And then Tim said he thinks he's going to be great when he get, when the green reading books go away because Bryson's such a great putter. So I don't know. There's a little, I, I guess, our opinion going into that is a little bit different than what Tim thought, and he clearly knows better than most. Yeah, I was just fascinated with all the stuff he was talking about. You know, all their, all the stuff they go through to prepare for a golf tournament. It's just something I've never heard before. 
But when you sit back and you think about everything he just said with the green density, the air density, you're like, damn, dude, that, I mean, it makes sense. It's just a lot of information. Yeah, a lot of what, like when you said, if you ask him how far he hits a seven iron, he's going to say, I don't know, what kind of grass? Where are we? What's the temperature? All that stuff. I mean, it's true. You go out in the morning some days and it's a little colder and your nine iron's not flying as far as it was yesterday afternoon and things like that. Like everyone kind of knows that, I guess, but they don't have it down to a science. Like, oh, now my ball, instead of flying 180, it flies 175.5. Like he's got it all down to science and numbers. We're just kind of like, oh, yeah, it goes a little shorter right now. He wants to control every variable there is. Yeah. And like you just said, it's it's like, yeah, I know when it's colder, the ball's going to go a little shorter. When it's hotter, it's going to go a little further. He knows exactly how farther or shorter it's going to go. Yeah, or like grass growing down grain. All right, my 7-iron goes this far. Back into the grain, it only goes this far. Like, we all kind of know that more or less, but we just know more like on feel. Like, oh, yeah, I got to play this a little bit further. You know, I'm into the grain versus him. He's like, oh, yeah, this plays four yards shorter now because I hit it four yards further you know, from this lie or whatever. It's just, like you said, all the variables are gone. That's why I went to the single-length club, to eliminate the variables. You don't want to have a different swing for each different club. It's just one golf swing and make all the clubs the same same length. Yeah, man, it was so cool. And I, you know, I think what everyone wanted to know was what exactly happened there in yeah. Detroit at the Rocket Mortgage. And we dove into that right away. And I mean, I, I actually appreciate him saying, you know, I, I kind of regret not waiting until the end of the week, um, you know, but he can't go back in time and change that. But I just thought that was very, very interesting how it all went down and how it happened Wednesday night before a golf tournament, especially where he's the defending champion. Yeah, I think there's probably regret on both sides there with Bryson and with Tim. But like he took the high road. He had nothing but nice things to say about Bryson. He wasn't going to come on here and bash Bryson and unload and all those things. Those guys have still have a great relationship. It sounds like they've even been talking since the split, and he wishes them nothing but the best going forward. So there wasn't going to be any, like, gotcha type of stuff there where he was airing it out. But cool just to hear about that relationship. I mean, they started from the jump and built that thing into a juggernaut. And now now Tim's headed off into the business world, dude. you got to get to Band and Dunes at some point, not only to use his new company, but you got to see this Bachelor in, bro. I'm telling you, it's like – it's one of those things you go there – you can't unsee it. And I'm not going to say what you're seeing is good, but it's almost just like initiation. You go to Bandon Dunes, you got, you got to go to the Bachelor Inn just to experience it and hear what everyone's talking about. The place is a national monument. Oh, man. Well, listen, everyone out there, they, they wanted this interview to happen. We got it done for you. I hope you all enjoyed it. I know we enjoyed it. I mean, if you look at the looks on our faces, I mean, our jaws were hitting the table every five minutes, it seemed like. But gotta can't thank Tim Tunker enough. That was so cool. And like I said, I hope everyone enjoyed it. So please, we got no PGA Tour event this week. We got the Olympics going on. I know we'll all be tuned into that. Wish all the guys over there the best of luck. But we're going to get back to the gambling at the WGC in Memphis, which we will be there on site doing a whole lot of interviews. Hope everyone has a great week, and we'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar.